Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here today to continue the 25 Years series, that loving look back at Raven's history, we got a relatively recent character from Ravens history we're going to talk about, Patrick Ricard today and his evolution uh, from being a defensive lineman in college to uh, the best fullback in the NFL today. Joining me to talk about that is Bobby Trossett from WBAL. Bobby, how you doing? Ken, thanks for having me on, man. I've, I've caught a lot of these episodes already and thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks for listening. First of all, tell people where they can talk football with you. Maybe it's a Twitter handle or wherever they can catch you. Yeah, wherever, pretty much at this point, when it comes to social media, unless it's on game days, of course, Keith Mills and I and, and Pete Gilbert host the postgame show on, uh, on on WBAL for, for every single Ravens game. But online, it's just at Bobby WBAL, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I uh, just made a TikTok the other day, too, Ken, so I'm still oh, trying no. to put myself <laughs> under there. I got younger siblings that are trying to help me out with that. So anyway, that's where you can find me. All right. Well, good for you for, for giving it a shot. That's uh, it's too scary for me, but uh, but a lot of tech things are. So Patrick Ricard, uh, very interesting story in Ravens history. First of all, a, an undrafted free agent from Maine, of all places. You know, Ken, it, it's funny when we were brainstorming where to take this conversation. Pat Ricard kept sort of knocking on my internal door because I think he's become quickly, right? This is year five. One of the best stories in not just football, but all of professional sports, if you like a good underdog, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of folks, don't get me wrong, in professional sports probably haven't heard of him. But I'd like to think if you are a nitty-gritty football fan, you have. And as you well know, it, it's been documented well. Pat has just – now he's a full-time fullback. But he really had to show some grit, discipline, commitment for all three phases to, one, find himself on the 53-man roster, to, two, sustain a period of time on the 53-man roster, and then also show that he's capable of not just you know being a big body out there. We've seen throughout the course of the last couple seasons, Ken, that as you know, he can be a pass catcher. He can run the football. He can block his you-know-what off. And I just think from a, 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 a fundamental football standpoint and for the love of the game, how can you not just adore what he's brought to Baltimore in this offense? Yeah, they've been an exciting player right from the beginning. And I, one of my first recollections about Patrick Ricard is at that first camp in 2017 because you know, they're very strict about what you can relate uh, schematically from a practice. And so I don't talk anything about who's who's lining up where and whatnot. And Patrick Ricard, you know, the offense wears their white jerseys and the defense is wearing their purple. And Patrick Ricard all of a sudden is in a, I'm sorry, other way around, is in a white jersey in the Ravens' purple backfield, you know, lining up. So immediately he's standing out like nobody's business. And all of a sudden it was, wow, you got a defensive lineman playing full fullback. And they did it several times. And I'm thinking, this is a great story, but now I can't write about it because it's camp, but this is a secret for scheme. Exactly. Uh, you really can't miss them, right? And, and to that point, when they realized what they had in him, obviously it was guns blazing. And I can remember catching up with him in 2019, of course, the magical season for Ravens fans. Well, up until January, of mm-hmm. course. And I said, what's your day-to-day like? It was a little one-on-one conversation off, off to the side in the locker room. And I believe this was – 2019 was his first Pro Bowl season, I believe. And he's rattled up a call he's, – he's rattled off a couple since. And he's like, dude, I, I don't have enough time. Like I have to run <laughs> in and out of meetings because I'm a part of so many different phases of this organization. And I just thought to myself like – that must be su- such a hectic schedule, but clearly he could handle it. And I just feel like he's got to be a coach's dream. Yeah, it, he's, he's certainly the, – the versatility is remarkable. If you go back to that uh, that 2017 rookie season, uh, he was slated really to be a defensive lineman. He was on the game day active. They did have him playing a few snaps at fullback, but honestly the Ravens weren't using as much fullback then, so his usage was kind of limited. And the first time he saw a ton of action – uh, was in the 10-15 gaming in Chicago when he played 19 snaps on the defensive line. The Ravens had some injuries in that game. Uh, I think it might have been Chris Wormley uh, had an injury in that game, and, and he came in and, and played a fair number of snaps and uh, made, made an impact right away. The Ravens ended up losing that game to Chicago in overtime. But I, I looked at that, and I, I really did project a guy who was going to be able to play on both sides of the ball for a while. And those guys are tremendously valuable. They're hard to cut, even – uh, Khalil McKenzie this year who could play uh, defensive lineman but be listed as an offensive guard because then he can go on the on the roster as an eighth offensive lineman. Very valuable to the team. And I think a lot of people that kind of kind of miss on that. But but Ricard, uh, you know, then for years after that performance, particularly in Chicago, was a guy that a lot of people thought would continue to play defensive line. You know, too, Ken, from a special team standpoint, as we both know, holds serious value in Baltimore based on 
the way that Coach Harbaugh cut his teeth and, and ultimately you know, the foundation of his coaching philosophy revolves around special teams. And we've seen when it's not so sweet, when you are in good graces with Coach, whether it's special teams, whether it's stuff behind closed doors. And in Tyson Williams' case, I'd have to think it's the former. Now, there might be a number of things that are going on there. I know he has been used in small sample sizes when it comes to special teams. But I know you remember earlier this season when Coach Harbaugh made some headlines, at least here in Baltimore with the Ravens faithful, where he was asked about how Tyson can get involved, in, you know, from a workload standpoint, more so in the offense and, and get some more carries. He didn't even address his name. Right. And he, instead, he just said, here's how you, you know, here's how you can become a good running back for this team. And so that just told me like, wow, if special teams was one of the areas that he indicated, clearly that's, that's really important to him. Yeah. The Ravens have to live on the margin with their roster. So every running back and the Ravens have several that are older guys that aren't really cut out for special teams. So Freeman and, and uh, Bell are not uh, Latavius Murray, not the kind of guys who are going to play special teams. And there's actually a limited number of positions you draw those core special teamers from. So it has real value. I, I think also in Tyson's case, it was a case of he had a couple fumbles earlier, one at the mesh point, another one at the goal line. And, and that was also a problem. So Harps can get kind of salty about individual players. I mean, you might remember the uh, Tim Williams, the, uh, the, the high-drafted uh, edge rusher apparently had a lot of problems getting it together on special teams. And, and uh, Jerry Rosberg is a character that I just love to talk about when, when, when we talk about special teams. But the guy has this completely different personality at the podium and on the field. And at the field, he's a firebrand. He calls people out. He calls people names. And then he gets to the to – the, to the, uh, the podium and he's this erudite professor who's always very dry and witty and and you know almost never tries to an- tries to never answer a question directly every question is a joke you know in terms of, of of how he does it to you but he he had some words for williams you know we're going back we're doing this again because you know tim williams doesn't know where he's supposed to be you know he just he had specific things he'd yell out on the field but uh yeah i i think tyson could help himself with special teams and all hardball running backs they need to stop fumbling you know being that i sit through a number of those press conferences that you're alluding to on a week-by-week basis, you really do observe who sort of cuts back a little bit and becomes a little bit more reserved when the red light is on, right, and the cameras are there and you're up in Owings Mills and you're you're not practicing, you're not in your element. All right? I think a lot of folks forget that, you know, these are, yes, they are professional athletes and, yes, they have significant platforms, But at the same time, because there are 53 guys on an active roster, a lot of these players actually live like extremely normal lives. So like when you put them in that type of situation, they aren't exactly like spirited. And so I I just thought to myself that the first guy that comes to mind and and don't get me wrong, he, he is an amazing person, former Walter Payton man of the year recipient and whatnot. But his demeanor changes so much when he's in front of the microphone, and that's Calais Campbell. Huh. He's this generous not, – not that he's not – he's always generous, obviously. But he, his demeanor is very um, big baby bear type of, of feel and loving and caring and, and somewhat soft-spoken. And then you get on the field, and we know what he does. He's taking on two or three guys at once pretty much – Every single, you know, um, 
you know, every other play, it seems like at times. So it is funny when that red light comes on, boy, these, these players tend to change a little bit. Yeah, I, I want to reel this back in a little bit. And I know we, we've got a, these great stories, by the way. Don't stop. We, we love this kind of story time. But let's, let's go back to talking about Ricard for a moment because, you know, his evolution into a fullback, uh, you know, I, I think there were people still who expected him to come back and play defensive line snaps after he sort of broke out in 2019 when he didn't still didn't play that much. I want to say Ricard might have played about 15 to 18 snaps a game, even for that 2019 team. And then he, uh, you know, people are still expecting, well, I expect Ricard to be our fifth lineman in any game where we only have four defensive linemen. Uh, and, you know, my response to that was always, he's too valuable on offense. He's, he's too much of the offense in terms of a, of a seven to block five that they're running with an extra tight end with Ricard or with two tight ends that, that they, they would likely not do that. Yeah, I think it's a great point because we've seen all of a sudden almost overnight, right? over the course of the last season and a half that he is primarily a, a fullback. And it looks like that's the case moving forward. I, I'd love to know some of the conversations behind the scenes, Ken. I don't have anything on that off the top of my head as to how they've landed at, at this current junction. But I get the sense that, well, He's definitely pleased with that, right? I mean, this I think for, he can really just focus on one phase of the game. And you're right. He, his value knows no bounds. And, and right now, as we currently tape this, he's leading the way uh, in the AFC from a Pro Bowl vote standpoint. Uh, Justin Tucker, of course, is as well. So I'd expect both of those guys to get yet another honor at, uh, for, from a Pro Bowl standpoint. But, um, you know, his value, where do you think his value stacks up when you take a look at some of the fullbacks league-wide? I think he's the best fullback in football. Um, he, his versatility is no longer a factor uh, because he's, he's – okay, let's look at this really just numbers-wise. In 2019, he played 342 snaps of, of offense, but he also played 140 snaps of defense. 2019 was the last year he played any defense, so 402 yards and 402 snaps and then 527. So this year he's playing 59% of the offensive snaps. I think there might have been workload questions. There might have been responsibility questions that would come up from him having multiple meetings to learn his craft. I'm sure he would have done it. Um, But the other thing that that would kind of really bother me is Ricard has sort of reshaped his body over the last year. And probably with the hip surgery being part of this, he's lost a lot of weight. At least that's my observation. Looking in profile at him and Bradley Bozeman walking next to each other is an enormous difference in weight. Uh, so, so Ricard must have, you know, not be weighing 311 anymore. He weighs, you know, I would say 260 to 280 in that range, um, but, but considerably smaller than an offensive lineman. I would agree with that. Having seen him, you know, multiple times, up, you know, without any pads on, obviously pads can be deceiving. Um, I, I would agree. And, and you know what, clearly the, the Ravens have been better for it. So, um, yeah, I, I just w- when you take a look at what the fullback position has become over the years, Pat has such an understanding, such a respect for the position, the history of the position. And he, you know what? He's consistently too talked about how it should be more valued. This position, <laughs> as we know, right? And not every team values the fullback like like it does in Baltimore. And, and you probably have more historical context on the art of the fullback and 
really the the arrival of, of the position of the fullback in the NFL. I'd love to pick your brain on that. Well, but the fullback position is ancient, but there's only eight teams who really employ a fullback now. And most teams really like to run out of 11 personnel because they think it's more valuable to take one heavy out of the opponent box and one blocker out of fullback than it is to put one blocker in and crowd the box with an extra player. So spreading the field is generally you know, thought to be the way most teams want to run. The Ravens are very special in that regard uh, with Roman and really wanting to use a fullback and lots of pulling guards and everything. They, they, they make better use of having a fullback than, than any team out there. And uh, you know, the, only, the only guy in the NFL who really compares and he's more of a weapon than a blocker uh, would be Kyle Juszczyk. We know all about him here in, in this area, right? And, and obviously things didn't work out for, for Ben Mason, and, and he ended up you know, sort of being that, – that was an interesting storyline, I thought, because we often see the way that the Ravens' front office and their, their scouting department and, of course, just how great Ozzie Newsom has been over the years. And, boy, it sure looks like they didn't miss – uh, last year, too, so far with, with Adafi Owe, obviously the jury is still out. But you know, I just got the sense that was that a reach? You know, I was wondering if that was a reach to go after Ben Mason. I know the Michigan connection was there, and that pipeline has worked for them, although it hasn't in you know, the last couple of years. Did you think that was a reach? I, I did not like the pick. Um, my, my major problem with it was that I, I didn't understand all the information the Ravens had. So Ricard apparently had some sort of off-season hip surgery. If that had not gone well, if he had not recovered in the way, and of course the Ravens have all the experience with Dennis Pitta, uh, then they would have been out of fullback and they thought they needed to get somebody who was a little bit specialized. I think it was still a reach, and I think that the way that he fell to the fell off the waiver wire would tell you there wasn't anybody taking him in the first seven rounds, and the Ravens needed a, a, a developmental off tackle, offensive tackle, or even a defensive lineman who was younger a lot more um, than the Mason. But I, I respect the decision more when I heard after the draft, and this is Ravens like they don't give that information away early that Ricard had had that surgery; they kept it secret. Um, until after the draft. So they did a really good job of that. And, uh, and I, I, I do understand the reasoning. I, I still don't like the pick. Pat kept it really secret as well. I, I mentioned to you before we came on that we've developed somewhat of a, a friendship. He's come on the podcast a couple times. Uh, you know, I get together with him on, on Ravens facilities, and I never even knew mm-hmm. that, that this was occurring either. So you're right. They, they do <laughs> – <laughs> they keep things under wraps more so than than maybe any other team aside from the New Englands of the world uh, across the NFL. And 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 one other note on on Ben Mason as it pertains to these Harb isms that we talk about in the media, right? There clearly was not a great departure there. Uh, yep, <laughs> you made that very clear. You remember that? Yep, salty as hell, and and you you hear it in his voice. And you know Harbaugh is not one to let out a lot of information, and and when he does, he's usually done with the guy. We heard it with Tim Williams in in a similar way in, in the weeks leading up to his cut. Uh, you know, we've heard it with a, with a few other players. I, frankly, I'm afraid we've, we're hearing it with Tyson Williams now. Is that is that he might not be around next year when the Ravens have you know more choices at running back than they've got right now, just because of the way they've used him this year. Yeah, you know, and one thought that I just had you sparked me because I had this conversation with a couple media members recently, and I think it's along the lines of what we're getting at here, and that's Matthew Judah. Uh, I, I think his his name obviously has come up within Baltimore media circles within these last several weeks because, let's face it, from a numbers standpoint, 
he's rocking the house up in New England, and he's causing a ruckus uh, in, for all for all the right reasons. He's getting home. He's got a new career high in sacks. And, but that, that's not what I wanted to, to mention. I don't think that, that there's the, there's this perception out there within the Ravens community, Ken. I'd love to get your your thought on this that the Ravens let him walk. And that may be, but I, I really think that internally there was this thought that he is not the right fit from not necessarily a scheme standpoint. Now, perhaps that could be true based on what he's proven to do so far in New England under Bill Belichick and company. But from a fit and an overall happiness standpoint, I think he, I think he wreaked a little bit of havoc down the stretch of his time in Baltimore. That's, that's an interesting point. I mean, they did, he was asked a lot of pointed questions as he approached free agency and, and he made some comments that I, you know, I, I think players should be taught to avoid is, you know, we can't be all on rookie contracts forever. And he might've been trying to, you know, work for an extension in season and, and do some of that, which, which is not, right. I think from a scheme perspective, boy, he was perfect for this team. I mean, it's just, it, it just didn't lead to good statistics for him. But Martindale used him very effectively as that second Sam linebacker where the Ravens could have a guy who could drop the cover on either side of the line of scrimmage on passing downs. No other team has that. And beyond that, Tyus Bowser is the best coverage outside linebacker in the entire NFL for my money. Judon is very good and would drop about half as often as he would. But that flexibility allowed Wink to do all sorts of things with the pass rush bring the slot blitz more often, bring a blitz from safety. Uh, and it, they used that extremely well. So I, I, he was a tough loss. He was, the, he was the guy I was most seriously concerned with saying that. But you may be right, and I think you probably got your hand on this a lot closer than I do, about what might have not been working from a him being unhappy with either his usage or, uh, uh, or his statistics even um, down the stretch. And, and one other note there, too. It's, it's it, Wink Martindale always talks about this, right? And, and it is overemphasized and obviously overcalculated in a lot of ways from a national media standpoint. But to your point, just because Judon is having a career year from a sack production standpoint up in New England doesn't mean that he wasn't productive during his time in Baltimore, right? And, and to your point, schematically, he was used um, – differently under Wink's system. And again, it from a production standpoint, it just looks different based on the numbers. So I think sometimes folks will think, wow, you know, he just couldn't get it done. Baltimore can't get it done, right? Since mm-hmm. since the Terrell Suggs of the world and everybody who came prior to them, well documented obviously, they just can't get it done. Well, there's something to be said sometimes schematically. So Anyway, I know it was a little bit of a segue, Ken, but you just got my brain churning a little bit. No, no, always cool. We want the we want those stories. Let's let's talk about Patrick Cocard for one more moment because he's not under contract, if I recall correctly, for 2022. So the Ravens will be forced into a decision this offseason. There is, like I say, a relatively limited market for fullbacks in general. Uh, I, I better make sure of that because a lot of people have been cut. And, you know, it's one of these things that you, you want to make sure that uh, he didn't get extended sometime when you, when you had your head turned. Uh, but no, no, you, I'm, you're absolutely right. He's, he's only on a contract through the rest of the 2021 season. Okay. So already the, the Ben Mason draft pick was not simply a 2021 pick. It was one where they thought they'd have a player to replace Ricard long-term thereafter. Uh, it, it, the Ravens are going to have to figure it out because it is possible somebody's going to swoop in and take Ricard from them uh, he, because he's so valuable. But I think the, he is most valuable 
to any team within the Ravens offense. It just is some other team maybe willing to overpay. And the Ravens are very strict about how they allocate dollars. And really, they have to be given all of the needs for uh, 50 year money that are coming up, including Lamar Jackson. You're right, though, about that market, right? Like it is it is relatively limited. So as a fullback, his choices are obviously not going to be slim. He's, he's one of the best, like you said, all around fullbacks in the game. So you wonder with the Ravens, is their offensive scheme right and what they've built over the course of these last few years and, and to coin them, right? They, they use it as a, a revolutionary offense. I wonder if, you know, they'll, they'll end up paying. Will they be more hesitant or, or not to pay him? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a real question because every team out there, even if they love Ricard, I think most would love him as a fullback if they run a fullback at all, is going to say, boy, we'd love to have that guy. And then they're going to say, but do we want him at $4.5 million a year? And that's really kind of going to be the question. Or do we want him after he had that hip surgery signed to a three-year deal of you know, $12 million kind of? I, I think they're going to really have to ask questions about that. And the question at Juszczyk's case, the question was yes. And unfortunately, Ovi Mahaley's case, going back to 2006, the question was yes for the Atlanta Falcons. The answer was yes for the Atlanta Falcons. So it's not like Ravens fullbacks haven't been stolen before. Um, but I think it's going to be a tough nut for one of the remaining fullback teams to swallow to eat that salary. And clearly, going after Ben Mason in the draft told you they they understand where Pat is in his current contract, and perhaps they wanted to bring in an assurance policy or whatever you know whatever that might have been. Obviously, it didn't work that way. We'll see how they handle things in 2022. I mean, we both know what's going to be on the docket from a priority list standpoint uh, come April of 2022. I'd have to think offense and tackle. I hope it is whether it's in free agency are in the draft, but I certainly haven't looked ahead that far in terms of what kind of you know tackle talent there will be. I'm looking forward to sink, sinking my teeth into that in a few months, Ken. But, uh, but hey, I, I think we would both agree that if they can find a way on both sides to, to make this happen for Pat Ricard long-term in Baltimore, where, where can we sign up? Yeah, it's it's definitely each side would be very very happy to have that re-signing done. It won't be one where the you know Ravens fans really question it and say, well, I don't know if that's worth it kind of thing. Uh, it's kind of a player similar to Tyus Bowser that is a player who's worth a lot more to the Ravens than to other teams or that other teams value him. So I think hopefully it'll work out. Bobby, really appreciate you coming on the the show today, taking time with us to talk about Patrick Card. Great topic, and you've got some great stories here that we really appreciated. Uh, anything you want to plug before you go off? No, no, just like I said, you know, would love to continue to garner listenership on the postgame show. Keith Mills, Pete Gilbert, and I host every single Ravens game day. And uh, you can call in, you can text us, you can, um, you know, just just listen. And on the mobile app or locally in Baltimore on on 97.9 on the FM dial or 1090 on AM. And we usually get lots of lots of entertaining calls, Ken. Yeah, I know that doesn't surprise you, especially for what this Ravens season has been. So again, you can give us a buzz at, at 410-338-1098 or just hit me up personally on social media at Bobby WBAL. So uh, this is a lot of fun, man. All right. A- outstanding folks out there. If you want to do a 25 year episode like Bobby's here, hit me up with a, with a direct meta, uh, message on Twitter. Uh, DMs are open. Uh, just a line or two about what you want to do. Uh, narrow topic. We can go into deep in about 20, 25 minutes, just like Bobby and Patrick Ricard here uh, worked out. Great episode, Bobby. Really appreciate you coming on. 
Awesome, Ken. Have a great rest of the season. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.